Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, thank you for that uh, thunderous welcome. I think if uh, the people back home were to to know about this, they would be green with envy. Um, I'm glad to be here. And one of the reasons why I'm really delighted to have this opportunity is because as you celebrate the um, 80 years of uh, the Bango uh, Missions Convention, you, you may not uh, think too much about it, but for an individual who is coming from the mission field, from the opposite end of the work, um, it's, it's heartwarming because I'm really coming with words of thank you to the, the kind of work that uh, has taken place over the years as individuals have been sent across uh, the oceans and, and uh, uh, other resources by way of uh, finances and books and, and so forth to, to just help in the spread of the gospel. It's, uh, it's good to come back here and, and uh, see and meet with different individuals, some of whom have undertaken short-term mission trips and others that have spent years uh, over in the continent of Africa. I've had uh, a number of African countries being mentioned just in the last 24 hours when I've been here by different individuals who've visited and others who uh, have been there for, for many, many years. I'd like to encourage you by sharing uh, God's word with you from uh, the Gospel of John and uh, chapter 16. The Gospel of John and chapter 16. I'll, I will read verse 31 to the end of that chapter. And the words that I would like to center my thoughts on by way of encouraging you are the final words in this chapter where the Lord Jesus Christ says, I have overcome the world. But let me begin from the 31st verse. The Bible says that Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. Each his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In a world that is going from bad to worse, and indeed those of us who are Christians observing all this and being affected by it, we, we must every so often seek to, to go into God's word and, and find anchors for our souls. 
words that will, will, will help us to, to have grit, to, to have poise and balance as we deal with the challenges of the days in which we live. But it's also good for us to realize that although we speak in terms of the world going from bad to worse, this is nothing new. It's been the, the story of the world for, for time immemorial and, and consequently again and again across history, God's people have needed to do exactly what I am saying we need to do today, going into scripture and therefore finding encouragement to remain faithful to our God. The, the disciples in the passage that we have just read together also had to do something like this. The one advantage they had was that they had the Savior himself in their presence. But they were going through a, a difficult time. In fact, it was going to be worse soon after the departure of our Lord. And hence he says to them that the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. Or as he puts it afterwards, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. We are aware that a number of them ended up being martyred. And many times I'm sure individuals wondered whether there was going to be a future to the Christian church because they, they had no physical weaponry by which to defend themselves. Well, the good news is that 21 centuries later, the Christian faith has been galloping on. It's, it's reached the ends of the earth, as it were, and clearly is unstoppable. Why should that be the case? Well, clearly it's because of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that we find here. He has overcome the world. It's a fact. He's not saying, I hope to overcome or I will overcome. He is saying, this I have done. And brethren, as we are together on this occasion, wanting to celebrate the Lord's faithfulness to not just this particular movement, but the movement of missions across history, we as individuals should, should also draw encouragement from these words, meditate upon these words, and see what we could learn from them. I see at least three things in these words. First of all, these words speak about a combat, for they speak in terms of the word overcoming. They also speak about a victor, and it is no doubt the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And finally, they speak about the vanquished. And in this case, it is the world. Let's think about those three for a moment. First of all, the combat. The moment you speak of overcoming, you are invariably suggesting that there is some form of fight. On one hand, there is resistance. On the other, there is persistence. If an individual says that I have overcome my fear of snakes, invariably what you are realizing is that to, to begin with, there was a sense of 
paralysis at the thought that snakes might be around. And consequently, very little would be done while that thought is in the person's mind. And when that individual is saying, I have overcome this fear, what they are really saying is that now they can get out in the jungle, in the forest, in the middle of the night, and do what needs to be done without rushing back at the very sight of some glittering skin in the grass. That illustration would appeal a little bit more back home than it's doing here, but that's, <laughs> I understand, I understand. <laughs> Should have thought something more closely related to the sea or the ocean, but, but let's move on. The point ultimately is that when we're speaking in terms of overcoming, we are talking in terms of some level of resistance and persistence. And that's what our Lord is saying here. He is with his disciples in an upper room. He's been speaking to them, preparing them for his departure. And the one point he is seeking to make very clear to them is that this world is not a playing field. It is a battleground. There is real warfare taking place here between God uncertain, between light and darkness, between good and evil. There's going to be resistance to what the Lord himself is seeking to do in this world. But at the same time, there's going to be real persistence. And he has already won. He has persisted. He will very soon persist to the ultimate point of his own death upon the cross. And he will rise again. He knows he is truly one who has come to engage in warfare on the behalf of God. Again, the point we need to appreciate from this is the consequences of failure in this battle, in this combat. It is the world itself really being destroyed from the inside out as men and women who are depraved because of evil and sin in their hearts go from bad to worse. But more than that, it is when ultimately the judge of the universe comes and sentences men and women to eternity in hell. And what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here is that he has indeed come to deal with that so that human hearts can be changed from the inside out, that that which is possessed ultimately by sin and consequently destruction might now be filled with the Holy Spirit, and righteousness, and holiness, and ultimately heaven. That's what he has come to deal with. And the church is at the center of all that. The work of missions is at the center of all that. So when we speak about the work of missions, 
we are speaking about being right in the heart of that combat, in the heart of that battle where, spiritually speaking, the bombs are exploding. But realizing that victory is on our side. There is a combat. And I have no doubt that as you sit in here tonight, you realize that. Many of you have been at the very battlefront where the kingdom is pushing the domains of darkness backwards. And you have seen many of the slain among the genuine, true servants of God. It's not a playground. It is a battlefield. But secondly, we learn from this the fact of the victor. The Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to disciples, says to them, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The disciples need to hear that. They need to hear it because they knew that their master was a hunted man. The Jewish leaders were after him. And with every passing day, week, month, year, it looked like that enmity was only getting worse. It looked like they were soon catching up with him. It looked like they were soon to lose. In fact, as you very well know, by this time, Judas has already abandoned them. He said to himself, well, look, I better get away at least with something because we are about to lose the fight altogether. The other disciples knew this as well. And indeed, a few days later, they did disperse, each one going to his own home and going back to their own trade. It was as though the cause has been lost. They needed to hear as much as all of us need to hear at this time. And it is this, that don't look at the circumstances. Look at Jesus. He is the victor. He is the winner. He has vanquished all. In fact, the most excruciating point must have been when Jesus was finally nailed to the cross. And his own disciples, at least those that had the guts to stick around, seeing him beaten and bruised with a crown of thorns upon his head in absolute weakness and shame, hanging on that cross, they would have preferred to, to look away because that, humanly speaking, was the lowest point. But in the wisdom of God, it was exactly that point that won the victory when the Savior breathed his last, when he said, it is finished. The reason is quite simple. 
is the fact that what needed to be done in order to achieve victory was not so much a political statement that would make people want to vote for Jesus. It was an act of atonement. Paying the price for sinners. Drinking in the wrath of Almighty God that ought to sink all of us into the depth of hell. Quenching the wrath of Almighty God against his people. When Jesus spoke these words, it was in the light of the fact that he was about to make that final step to go and drink in the full wrath of God on behalf of sinners. That was the victory. In the onward march of Christianity in the world, it's very easy to lose sight of this fact because we often experience loss. We experience defections. We experience actual physical death. We experience the moving out and being chased out of actual missionaries from the mission field. And sometimes we even experience temporal closure of the work that we are seeking to do. It's very easy to be dejected. And I have no doubt that in the course of 80 years of this ministry, those who record its history will not only speak about mountaintop experiences, but they'll also speak about valley experiences. They'll talk about times when they wondered whether they were coming or going. They'll talk about times when all they could do is, is to fall on their knees before God and just weep. Just weep for loss of words. That's the story of missions. But every so often, like the disciples here, we have to be reminded that the Lord is often strongest in our weakness. He often glorifies himself at our weakest point. The Lord has a way of carrying out his work that not only confounds his enemies, but those of us who are his own people. And that therefore what we need to do is to seize from man and look above. To recognize that our Savior has already won the victory. That he is the victor. That all that we are going through at this moment is a mop-up operation. That's all it is. Otherwise, the victory has been. Now, that's not just what you need to hear. It's something that I need to hear regularly. I'm only a church pastor back home. But I do have my dark moments too. When I wonder, 
whether I shouldn't just quit the field and, and do something else. And how encouraging it is to, to, to gaze upon Christ, as it were, with the spiritual eye and recognize that my Savior is not biting his nails, wondering what might happen next. He has won the victory. And so many months later, so many years later, I look back and I say to myself, what a fool I was at that point. When I allowed despair and depression to become part of my food. Why didn't I realize that the Lord is marching on? He has won the victory. Am I speaking to somebody in here tonight? In your specific situation? Perhaps you are in the situation in which the disciples were at this point. Fearing for everything, fearing for the cause of the Christian faith. My appeal is keep in mind the victor, Jesus Christ. He has already won the battle when he breathed his last and said, it is finished. But then and lastly, we also see from, from this passage the vanquished. The Lord Jesus Christ says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What does he mean by this? What does the Lord Jesus Christ mean by the world? He clearly means everyone and everything that is opposed to the rule of God. Now that's a very big statement. Because if it was simply, I have overcome the Sanhedrin, you'd be saying, well, at least it's simply a group of individuals who are reigning over the nation of Israel. Or maybe if you had said, I have overcome the Romans, you may say, okay, the colonialists have been overcome, so Israel will be free. But to throw into the bucket anything and everything that is opposed to the, the righteous rule of God. That is a tall order. And here is the man, Christ Jesus, sheltering in a small room with his disciples. And he is saying to them, I've overcome the world. The same world in which you will have tribulation. I have overcome it. And in that bucket, he throws the evil one himself, Satan, the devil. He's saying, I have overcome him. He throws into that bucket all the false religions of the world. He is saying, I have overcome them. He throws into it all the godless philosophies in this world. He is saying, I have overcome them. Throw in all the governments and religious leaders that are persecuting the Christian church. He is saying, I have overcome them. 
What a statement. What a statement. And we have to appreciate that as he speaks in terms of overcoming them, it's not simply the way in which in physical warfare you, you speak in terms of individuals being blasted into oblivion. Many of them are actually won over to become the very soldiers of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example, isn't it? He was an individual who was utterly opposed to the Christian faith. And what happened in the end? He became one of Christ's primary soldiers. Jesus overcame him on the road to Damascus. I'm pretty sure those of you who've labored in the mission field will know this, that some of the individuals that have become the, the, the primary soldiers of the cross are individuals who would have been sworn enemies of Christ, would have wanted to do anything and everything to exterminate Christians. And the Lord, by his Spirit, working in their hearts and consciences, turned them round, and they became the chief spokesmen and women of Christ. I have overcome the world. And even as today we are still marching on, Christ is yet to return. Let's keep that in mind that this world has been overcome. And as I said earlier on, all we are doing is a mopping up operation. That's all. We're going round to finish off that which Jesus Christ has already secured in his hands. Yes, the work is dangerous. Yes, it is in such a state that many will think we are on the losing side, but all oh, that God might give us the eyes that he gave to his disciples at this point so that they became individuals that were a force to reckon with. Brethren, think like this. Eight years, of Bangor's missions convention. Do you honestly think that that has been achieved through human strength? Human ingenuity? Human weaponry? Human cleverness? I hope you're all shaking your heads because it cannot be. It's God. He's in control. And he knows what he is doing. So the words, I have overcome the world, are preceded with the words, take heart. Be encouraged. Let me modify that a little bit. Begin celebrating now. I have overcome the world. That's what he's saying. 
and all that we might do so, even as we look back to the last 80 years. Yes, the battle rages. Yes, we continue to experience casualties, to suffer casualties, but oh, allow the words of Christ to ring in your hearts and minds. I have overcome the world. If you are Christ's servants, you are in the winning team. Now, I know that when Jesus was speaking these words to the first disciples, there would have been a room filled with unbelief. But I hope that's not the case in this room tonight. Because we have 21 centuries behind us when the horse of the gospel has been galloping on and on it has been a conqueror bent on conquering. Surely, today, this room should be filled with belief. This room should be filled with shouts of amen because we have seen the fruit of this. Jesus has overcome the world. So let's go into the unknown future with these words on our hearts with real celebration. He is faithful. He is glorious. He is the overcomer. Let us celebrate these 80 years of his faithfulness, knowing that he is an ever-faithful God, to the very end, until the last trumpet is heard, and we will see, the whole of creation will see, that he is indeed the victor. Oh, that God might do this, glorifying himself among those who are supporting missions, who are themselves missionaries, who are in the battlefront, doing everything possible, but knowing very well that there's nothing new we're doing here. We are simply coming alongside him who has won the victory. May he glorify himself, even tonight. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.